Hello, and welcome to the VML Voice, the official podcast of the Virginia Municipal League. I'm your host, Rob Bullington, and it's been a while. I promise I'm not hosting any other podcasts on the side. Really, my tardiness is due in large part to the 140 people that gather in Richmond each winter. I'm speaking, of course, of the General Assembly, and their work creates a lot of work for all of us here at VML. That said, I did manage to record interviews with most of the members of the Bristol City Council during that time, and I've finally pulled all those conversations together into one masterful episode of the VML Voice. Thanks for being here. The idea for this episode came from Bristol's city manager, Randy Eads. Randy is also on the VML board, and during a trip to his fine city back in late November, Randy suggested I do something about his council. Um, Let me rephrase that. Randy suggested I feature his council in a podcast because they are all relatively young and new to local government. I think you'll find, as I did, that though they may be young and new, they are also enthusiastic and bring a lot to the table. And I can't think of a more dynamic duo to begin with than that of Bristol's current mayor and Bristol's former mayor, who's now a councilman. First, we'll meet the current mayor. I'm Neil Osborne. I'm the mayor of Bristol, Virginia. I've uh, been on the city council since 2018. I just elected to a second term. Uh, the reason that I ran, you know, one of the main reasons was I was able to grow up in Bristol, stay here, raising a family here, and I want to be able to make Bristol the kind of place that uh, people can raise kids and also that kids can stay when they become adults and remain here and be successful also. And that's the trick, isn't it, um, to retain those young people? That's the hard part. Yeah. And Anthony? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm Anthony Farnham, and I am the, the former mayor in Bristol, Virginia, and, and city councilman currently is my title. Um, I've also been on the city council since 2018. Um, you know, I've also grown up here in Bristol and wanted to get involved somehow uh, at some point. wasn't really sure exactly how to get involved. I started going to the local meetings, uh, city council meetings, just sort of sitting in the back and watching what happens. Um, got on something called the Planning Commission first and uh, found that interesting and ended up getting on city council. I, I wanted to, again, just try to make a, somehow an impact, a difference in my in my community because uh, this is where I'm, I've grown up and I'm raising my kids here and want it to continue to be a great place to live. Well, now, Anthony, you are—you say you're the the former mayor, and Neil is the current mayor, and, and you guys sound like your friends. I'm assuming there's no hard feelings there. <laughs> I'll I'll jump in first, Neil. Yeah, this one is uh, is uh, I've gotten this question before, and yeah, Neil and I we get along great, and we actually you know both have grown up here, so um, you know sometimes we have different thoughts, different you know opinions, different ideas, but overall, I think both of us have the the same. Goal in the end, which is you know to support Bristol, you know to support our schools, our first responders, to try to help our city grow and uh, try to make life good for our citizens here. As you could hear, Neil and Anthony are very invested in their city and in giving something back to it. But as many of my listeners are all too aware, being an elected official is a lot of work, but it's not something that necessarily pays all the bills. Given that both Neil and Anthony are relatively young and raising families, I asked how their professional lives dovetailed with their service on council. We'll hear from Neil first. So I've, for the past 
about two years, I've worked for uh, worked for a bank. Uh, I do um, uh, fraud reviews. Um, I kind of have a varied background. You know, I spent uh, a lot of time in sales, and then I've also spent some time uh, teaching for the Job Corps. It's given me a varied perspective on you know what people do for work, mm-hmm. obviously, but also what uh, what different parts of uh, of a business look like. You know, from from selling to the financial parts of the business to you know, job training gives a good, uh, good view, good overview of you know, what businesses need. And how about you, Anthony? I too have uh, somewhat of a diverse background, uh, but most recently been been working in real estate. Uh, currently, as a real estate broker for a small uh, independent office, um, I think that gives me sort of a unique perspective because I'm out, you know, working with folks that are looking at buying or selling houses uh, throughout different neighborhoods, different parts of of not just the city of Bristol, but the surrounding area. So, um, and you know, recently we, we've worked with quite a few people that have moved here from a different area. Maybe they've moved out of a bigger city and they, uh, they, they want to get away from the rush hour traffic and the high real estate prices. And they see everything we've got going on here in Bristol. I think it's been a, 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 a well-kept secret for a long time, but word's getting out that it is a, an awesome place to be. Now, my next guest knows a lot about getting the word out about Bristol, specifically, and Southwest Virginia in general. I'll let her introduce herself. Um, My name is Becky Mays, and I'm the vice mayor of the city of Bristol, Virginia. Um, I have been on council um, a little shy of two years now. Um, I was appointed um, when a former council member stepped down. went through the process and was appointed to the council by the, by the council members. Um, it's something that I had thought about doing for quite a few years. And, um, and then when the opportunity came up, I thought I would give it a try and um, have really enjoyed my time on council. But Becky's dedication to Virginia runs even deeper than her service on council. In fact, just prior to our conversation, she had been promoted in her day job with the Virginia Tourism Corporation. Let's get back to Becky so she can tell you more about it. Yeah, so in my new position as Director of Destination Development, we have uh, team members all across the state that work in regions um, to help with local um, government, local um, tourism offices, and helping them with their tourism strategic planning and helping them identify um, product development in their area and to help them uh, with ways they can promote and really draw people into their communities. And so we also have grant funding. And um, so a lot of times I can help them after we've created that marketing plan, they can apply for a marketing leverage grant and get funding to help. Um, A lot of times it's a match grant, but they can get funding then to help promote the community. But wait. There's even more that Becky brings to the table in her service to Southwest Virginia. Prior to my time at Virginia Tourism, I worked at uh, the Department of Housing and Community Development, and I served as a director of PR and marketing for the Southwest region and was based out of what was Hartwood at the time, which is now the Southwest Virginia Cultural Heritage Center. And my primary role there while I was there was to work and to create a regional brand. And so the Southwest Virginia brand that you see now, that shield with the SWVA that you see out there on a lot of things, um, that was a project that I was uh, um, responsible for and got that off the ground, which took um, a little over a year. Well done. 
Yeah, I'm very proud of that brand. And just to um, also, it wasn't easy getting a lot of the community buy-in. You know, you have 19 counties and four cities that are all included in that brand. So um, it wasn't a it wasn't an easy task, but also at the end of the day, we had a wonderful product at the end and and had had really we come together as a region to um, to have something that we can all identify with and and put on our our information and and really promote us as a region versus just individual counties and cities. By now, you're probably realizing that the Bristol City Council has a deep pool of dedication talent, skills, and experience to draw upon. And that impression was only further confirmed for me when I spoke to my next guest, who, as luck would have it, was in Richmond at the time of my interviews. So we got to sit down face to face. Uh, Jake Holmes, I am Bristol, Virginia City Councilman, just got elected in November. And you also have a day job, which is... I'm legislative director for Deputy Majority Leader Israel O'Quinn. Is it tricky to balance those two two roles, or is it very complementary? Um, I've I've been learning. It's been about a month so far. Um, so far, there's been no issue. I, I know there are a couple other legislative assistants that also serve on local government boards or mm-hmm. councils, and I spoke to ethics beforehand just to make sure and. Every, everybody said things are above board. And how's the session treating you? I should point out that we're talking to each other in literally in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the 2023 General Assembly session. It's uh, today's crossover, so thing, things are going well. Um, got a lot of a lot of good stuff working uh, working through the process, but it's um, hopefully some good things for our region for the state as a whole. So, how does that experience? Because you've been doing that longer than you've been a council member. Um, right. How does that experience feed into some of what you've already? started doing on council or some of the experiences you've had there? I've, I've worked for him uh, since 2012. Um, he represents the city. So I've I've been very familiar with a lot of the issues the city is, is facing or has faced. So I've I've got some good experience. I also know, for the most part, how government works and how to, how to best interact with folks and who to talk to, things like that. So it's been a, a good, I've been able to hit the ground running. So it's been a good thing. Did I mention that all these folks are relatively young? It was something I wanted to hear more about, since most councils have at least a couple senior members with experience to help in navigating thorny situations. But I also wanted to know if the current council members felt that their relative youth, fresh perspectives, and energy were worth the learning curve. Let's check in with Jake first. I, I think it's a good thing. I um, I believe, I mean, Bristol's been around for a lot longer than I've been alive, so things have been done done decently at least through the past, but it's also, we've got a lot of problems. We've got a lot of issues. We got to have some fresh thoughts and um, some new ideas and just being, being willing to look at something out of the box. And I think having that younger council, younger ish council, it, it'll help with that. Um, we got, um, a lot of, a lot of forward thinking people, a lot of, a lot of folks that are willing to, to look at new ideas on council. One of those folks willing to look at new ideas on council is Becky Nave. Becky? Well, there's a couple of things. First, I'm really excited to have some young people on council. Um, even before I was on council, when I would see um, Neil and Anthony were both on there before me, and I was excited to see them on there. I think they bring a whole new perspective you know, and different viewpoints that maybe haven't been thought of before um, to the council. And, you know, just the fact that they love Bristol so much and want to invest their time and expertise here for, the, for their future 
as well as ours, I think is fantastic. So it's kind of both ways. I'm excited to have the young people, but I do think it's important to have somebody that's been on there several years to help you so you don't make the same bad decision twice. Are there ex-council members um, that you are able to, to bring in for advice? Yeah, I, I talked to several uh, former council members that's been on there in the past years. Um, the one most recent was Bill Hartley, um, who went off in this last election. And, you know, Bill was on council for a number of years, and he um, he is great a great resource. And even though he's not on council anymore, he continues to be a great resource for us. And finally, on the subject of youth, let's hear from Bristol's mayor. I won't say how old he is, but the year that Neil was born, Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel was the top-selling album, and the top-grossing movie was Batman, the one with Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, and Kim Basinger, which I remember seeing in the theater. Okay, now I feel old. Anyway, here's Neil to make me feel even older. I think we are we are unique. That we have a, a, a younger group of, of elected officials. The person that's on the council that, that's the oldest would actually be the be the youngest person on a lot of city councils and boards of supervisors in other parts of the state. So it, it kind of affords us a different perspective, you know, because we are people who intend to be here for another 30 or 40 years uh, living in this. It gives us a good perspective on, you know, what do we want Bristol to be like, you know, not just for you know, grandkids, but for us. Of course, to make Bristol even better, to make it the place this council wants it to be, means economic development. With perennial draws like the birthplace of country music and the Bristol Motor Speedway now being bolstered by the likes of the Hard Rock Casino, I wanted to know what role tourism played in the economic development of Bristol specifically and the region as a whole. I started with Becky Nave, who, as you heard earlier, is a director at the Virginia Tourism Corporation. It's um, really been helpful for me to to really get our our council in the mindset of what that means for our area, and you know it means more people coming to our, to our area. It means that we're going to get um, our hotels are going to fill up more often. Meals and lodging taxes are going to go uh, continue to be uh, coming in. So I think helping to stress that that point that tourism is the front door for economic development um, has really been helpful um, to our council and and they might get tired of me saying that (laughs) but um, I do believe that tourism is the front door for economic development for Bristol we have so much going on it's just been super helpful but it can't all be about tourism right Mayor Osborne we've worked to kind of diversify what we what we seek out and what we go for you know in economic development is difficult in Southwest Virginia as a whole. So sometimes you, you, know, you, you take what's presented to you, but we've been fortunate, especially with, with hard rock coming here that, uh, that we have, we have a lot of options. A lot of people want to come to Bristol and, and, uh, and try and do business here. I need to take a quick break from our conversation here to thank our sponsors. The VML voice is made possible through the support of Virginia housing where they are investing in the power of home to help Virginia's communities thrive. And Dominion Energy, where actions speak louder. I also want to welcome our newest sponsor, GovDeals, the online marketplace providing services to government, 
educational, and related entities for the sale of surplus assets to the public. And now back to my conversation with some of the members from the Bristol City Council. As you may recall from the top of this episode, the idea for this edition of the VML Voice came from the Bristol City Manager, Randy Eads. Among the challenges looming large for the council are two issues that Randy wanted to make sure I covered, homelessness and the financial burden of correcting the recent issues with the Bristol landfill. We'll start with the topic of homelessness and hear first from Becky Nath. We have put together a task force team um, that consists of people from both cities, like the city managers, somebody from council, uh, local business owners, um, local stakeholders, our community action agencies who want to help in identifying a solution to the situation. Um, what I hope is it doesn't grow any more than it is and that we can try to get some type of hold on it um, to, to figure out a solution for it. And I don't know what that is. We have also been looking at other communities that have had problems with homeless um, to see what you know, their solutions have been. One of our things is you know, I, they're pretty um, isolated in certain areas. So what I don't want to hear and see is you know, the other communities are bringing their homeless here and dropping them off because we have the resources for them. I'm hoping that other communities will start, you know, trying to identify their own resources and, and what they can do in their communities without just busting them here. And now we'll bring back Mayor Neil Osborne for his thoughts on the homeless situation in Bristol. You know, Bristol is not unique in, in the influx of homeless uh, people, people living in homelessness. Um, during the summer when we were beginning to talk about ideas on, on how to handle this, um, I went downtown several nights and uh, I talked to a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of people who were living in a homeless situation, you know, and, and by and large, most of them, you know, a few of them were there because that's the life they chose. But by and large, a lot of them, you know, have a, have a, an underlying issue that they may need help with, you know, whether that be addiction or, you know, mental health. And, and a lot of times in my experience of speaking with people who work for, the agencies who, who can help them, um, these people don't know where to start, you know, and they're, they're overwhelmed. Um, they don't, they might not have government issued ID where they can get to a place where they can get help. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's important for us. We, there, there's no solution to homelessness. You know, that, that is something that is going to be an ongoing problem. So it's important for us as a locality to get the right people in the room who can, who can do things that, do services that these people need access to. And, and that's something that we've, um, we've been in discussions with our chamber. Our chamber has led a lot of, uh, discussions on how to address the homeless situation. You know, and it, it, it is an, uh, it's an all in effort and it will require a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different, um, perspectives coming together. Okay. Now we're going to turn our attention to something that's been earning Bristol some unfortunate headlines recently. I'm speaking, of course, of the landfill, which, well, smells bad. Like, really bad. It's a problem, and it's going to cost a lot to fix it. But as you will hear, the council is undaunted and ready to face facts. 
I know that, um, you know, we have our orders and we are following through with everything. Um, I will say there's not one person on council that would say that's not our top priority um, because it is. And I think sometimes, you know, we may um, get some bad feedback from the community at times um, about the landfill and, you know, comments like we're not doing anything, but here we are spending millions of dollars and um, wanting it fixed. And so I'm really hoping uh, now, you know, it's been closed. We've got it. We're working on going through the uh, procedures that we have been instructed to do. And um, I'm hoping we can continue moving forward with it. So we, we've had a, a plethora of, of different experts. We had a, an expert panel that was uh, helped organized by with some folks with Virginia Tech and uh, Dr. Craig Benson, a very well now uh, landfill expert who've all been here to Bristol to help us. And so we have a plan and, and we're going to work our plan that now coming up with uh, the cost and paying for the plan. And it's a little bit of a, all the above strategy. Obviously we, we have some funds that are in what we call just the general fund, the city's, you know, savings account sitting there that, um, that we, that we're going to have to use. And we, we have received uh, a little bit of money from, from the state of Virginia and uh, you know we we've asked for for more funding there. We've also received uh, some um, some federal funds in the form of the American Rescue Plan that came down that that can be used for some of the things we're doing over there. So it's um, it, it's a variety of work to be done, and we're paying for it with a variety of different ways. But ultimately, we know the the same goal in the end. We we've got to correct the issues, get it fixed, and get it fixed as quickly as possible, but also as safely as possible. And, and I'll jump in. Um, we we have some estimates that that say that the cost, start to finish, you know, on on all these projects is, is going to be in the neighborhood of you know 50 to 60 million dollars, which is uh, is a tremendous amount of money. Um, we we do have, as uh, as Anthony said, you know, some money that is sitting in our in our reserve. You know, we have a little bit of an emergency fund, um, and those were those were set up, you know, due to the good foresight of some former members of council. But it, it is of utmost importance to to fix this problem, not only for us, but for residents and surrounding communities. And and we're committed to staying on the timeline that we've agreed to. It will take moving quickly and, and staying right on top of it because it's, it's such an important you know, topic, such an important problem for, for so many people. At this point, I'd like to get back to my conversation with Councilmember Jake Holmes that afternoon, right in the middle of the General Assembly session, when he stopped by the VML offices. And bear with us here for a minute, because you'll see how we get to the topic of the landfill, and maybe get a better understanding of how the financial burden is going to mean some tough decisions and some creativity from the Council. I read I read uh, online. Um, I think it was a piece they put together uh, when you were still running for council that you consider communication, um, uh, particularly um, the way in which a local council would communicate with its residents, to be sort of one of the the things you really wanted to address mm-hmm. during your time on council. Now that you've had what a couple months, a month and a half, yeah, to, basically <laughs> a month, yeah, to take it in. I guess there's still some some ideas maybe percolating there. But if you yeah. come up with any concrete ideas for how you might want to um, enable or increase the degree of communication between council and the residents? I, I know um, whatever we do, it, it does take community involvement with it. So if we're just talking into a void, it's, it does nothing. 
but um, for the landfill issue specifically, that's um, where communication really stuck out to me. We've we've had one um, before I was elected. We had a, a community meeting. I think there's a plan to have another one maybe this month, maybe next. I think those are good just to give folks an update, give them a, a forum to kind of interact with, with the folks involved. So more of that, definitely. I'd like to see that on a regular basis as long as the landfill is an issue, which theoretically will be for a little bit. Um, and then I know we have a very active uh, texting newsletter type situ- type program. Um, I signed up for everything, mm-hmm. so I, I get all the updates. So really utilizing that is good. I mean, promoting that a little more. Um, we don't have a, a, a dedicated communications person in the city currently. Um, with the budget shortfall that we're going to have with the landfill, that might not be a real, might not be something we can do for a while, but it, that would be a very beneficial thing just to have someone actively engaging with the community. Um, what's going on, what's happening, the issues we're facing, just kind of com- communicating that and being a forum for folks to communicate back. So so that that's funny because one of my questions was um, I was going to ask you that given the financial challenges that the landfill represents, um, how do you plan up making up some of those budget shortfalls? And it sounds like you're saying that you personally will become the communications hub for the city of Bristol <laughs> rather than having to pay somebody to do that, right? I'm trying, I have a social We're recording here. I wanted to remind you that. I have a Facebook page. I'm trying to push out what I can, uh, any updates, and then the texting program is good. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to commit to that personally, <laughs> but I'm going to do what I can to supplement that. Okay. All right. Well, fair yeah. enough. And you're, yeah. you know, it's only been a month and a half, so we'll exactly. give you a little more time to, <laughs> to get your ground there. Okay. We're getting close to the end of this episode, but before we go, here to help me pull all those loose ends together are Mayor Osborne and Council Member Farnham. Our conversation also gave me a chance to plug one of my favorite music events in Virginia, if not the world, the Bristol Rhythm and Roots Festival. But first, let's tie up some of those loose strings. And and I'm getting the sense, too, that looping back to that sort of relative youthfulness of the council, um, that it sort of gives you uh, somewhat of an advantage in dealing with these these issues because there is this sort of uh, optimism and resiliency um, that may be lacking if, if you had, you know, a, a council that's skewed older. Um, and whereas some people might view it as a disadvantage to have a younger council, it sounds like you're really tapping into the, the true advantage of that, which is that you are people that are, that are invested in your community, that are invested in it and want people to be there and to, to raise their families there. And these issues are just that. They're issues that could be taken care of. Is that, is that fair? You know, I'll, I'll tell you. So when I was a kid, every morning when I was going to school, my dad would, would give me the same advice. He would say, roll with the punches. And, you know, I, I kind of think that, you know, what Bristol do, we, what Bristol does, we roll with the punches. Um, you know, we have, we have this issue with the landfill. We've had issues with, you know, before we, before Anthony and I were elected with um, economic development projects, you know, and other things. So, we always get through it. We always persevere. And, and that's kind of, that's our mindset, you know, right. You know, bad times happen, but the sun, uh, the sun will come up in the morning, you know, and that's, that's where we're, that's where we're looking. You know, it's going to be tough to address our landfill problem. It's tough to address, you know, the financial situation that'll, that'll come with it. But, but the good news is the sun will come up in the morning and we'll get through it. Bristol will be better off for it. I absolutely agree with all of that. You know, I, I think Bristol is a great community in terms of we just have so many great things going on that are that are good things that are happening here. 
and, and we know we have some things we need to work on. Uh, you know, like every community, we, we mentioned, you know, discussing uh, the Bristol landfill and the, the homeless population in, in our town. Um, but, but overall, I, I would say that, that many of us here are optimistic about our future, about our growth, about where we're going uh, here as a community. And so uh, in, in that, that spirit of keep it on the sunny side, uh, which um, we all know is a, a wonderful old country song, I do want to touch for a minute on my personal favorite thing about Bristol, which is the uh, Rhythm and Roots Festival, which happens every fall. And for anybody that's never heard of it or been down there, the Bristol Rhythm and Roots Festival is sort of the best kept secret on the eastern seaboard, in my opinion. It is a miniature South by Southwest uh, type festival where the entire downtown turns into a whole bunch of different music venues, the theaters, the outdoor spaces, the bars. It is several days of just fantastic fun, and I would encourage anybody that's listening to this to make plans to go there. Neil, I know you have something to do with the organizing the event every year. Can you give us an idea of, of what's in store and, and how the festival's grown over the past couple of years? Oh, absolutely. So so I serve on the on the board for uh, Further and Roots. Um, our festival has grown exponentially. You know, I was, I was at the, I think the first or second Rosemont Roots Festival when I was a teenager. And, um, it was the headlining act, I think was little Jimmy Dickens and the heads, uh, who was a, a 1940 singer. Yeah. And there were, there were, there were minimum security. You could just walk in without a ticket. It was just a bunch of people enjoying country music in the park, you know, and, and, you know, our festival has grown. I think last year we were, Maybe thirty or forty thousand people showed up for the weekend, and we've we've got a, a really good lineup uh, coming up for twenty twenty three. And we've got you know Amethyst Kia, uh, Nickel Creek, Bruce Hornsby, Forty Nine Winchester, which is a, a fast growing band. You know we've we've got a whole lot of really good and varied music styles. You know it's we are the birthplace of country music, but it's not just country music. You have Americana, roots music, bluegrass music. You get some jazz, a little bit of Southern rock in there. You know, we'll be announcing some more acts later on this year uh, as we get closer. The, the full name is Rhythm and Roots Reunion, and that's what it is. It's uh, everybody gets back together once a year and, you know, has a wonderful time and enjoys downtown Bristol. And I would encourage you, dear listener, to get down to Southwest Virginia and enjoy downtown Bristol just as soon as you can. I should point out that there is another member of the Bristol Council that we didn't get a chance to talk to, Michael Pollard. Maybe next time, Michael. Sorry we missed you this time around. But I do want to thank Jake, Neil, Becky, and Anthony for helping me out with this one. That's a wrap on another episode of the VML Voice, the official podcast of the Virginia Municipal League. We'll be back again soon for another episode about the local governments that make Virginia work for everyone. And now... Here is this episode's VML Voice of Reason. Tourism is the front door for economic development, and they might get tired of me saying that. <laughs> <laughs>